George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Ryan, Matt, we have a very special guest this week. Uh, guests are few and far between a lot of times for us here on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, but... This week, we, uh, we called out to, to one of the big names in our industry and one of the big names from, from DLF, and that's Scott Fish. Scott, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> so many places to start. Big names. I don't know about that. But first off, are they always with you? Because I called out another show host that said that <laughs> recently, and, and it turned out not to be true. Are Ryan and Matt always, always with you, Dan? They're, they're with me in my heart. <laughs> I, you know, I'm constantly thinking about them and thinking about their well-being, for sure. Ryan chose to uh, head to Disney instead of join Matt and I last week, so obviously he wasn't with us. Yep, that's, uh, a, that's Matt, what we're, we're still a little upset over that, but we let him back. Yeah, Dan, I'm excited. We have not only do we have the the face of Dynasty Fantasy Football with us today, as I have heard of, yeah, that's right. And we also have the face of you know charitable goodwill in the industry with us today. So it's going to be a good show. So we're we're kind of peons here, Matt. We're not going to be we able are. to find any like, FaceTime. Why are we even here, Dan? Like, they can just talk amongst themselves. <laughs> you know? Blah, 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 SFB, blah, 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 ADP. Do we have any commissioner <laughs> questions we want to answer? <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about what movies we've been watching. Maybe some animal ADP. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. We do so many shows together, Ryan. <laughs> not enough still, somehow. So Scott, we we're, we're gonna try to keep it semi uh, on point, I guess, for for this episode. And I know you're not always used to that, especially when Ryan's attached to you. Uh, but we're gonna first of all, I want to talk to you about Scott Fishbowl because that's what everybody's thinking about right now. So I, I just open canvas. Tell us about Scott Fishbowl. What's happening? What's new this year? And what you're excited about, because this is going to be a big, busy, busy month for you. Oh, it's going to be crazy busy. You know, it's I change it every year, but this year was the least amount of change I've ever thrown into this league. Last year was full, full point per first down for everything. This year it's half point per first down, half PPR to, you know, pretty much make everybody happy, or try to at least. And uh, it turned out that just doing that and a little bit of tight end premium balance the crap out of the scoring um over the last five years the the positions have been so incredibly balanced with that with that scoring and five years as you know is is no small feat in this in this industry to have five years of data and them all be pretty dang balanced especially when you consider the wide receivers in 2014 and the running backs last year 
Yeah, I'm I'm glad to see the PPR yeah. return for <laughs> sure. And Scott, you you and I had a lot of conversations about that. Um and but in the end I, I appreciate the and this doesn't just go for for Scott Fishbowl this year. This is really kind of like a blanket statement to what you've done, but I appreciate the the changes you've made, uh the the different, you know, different types of scoring, different types of leagues mm. that you have that you've brought to us. And that just really makes it makes fantasy football better. It does. There's there so many people doing some some great work out there in, in this industry with uh, with that kind of stuff. And it like it, it just all make, it makes it so much more fun for everybody else, especially when you find that new person that has been playing in regular bland old leagues. And they then they find either me or you or Dan or Matt or someone in the industry that John Bosch, I should throw out a shout out to that, that introduces them to, Hey, you can make this fun. <laughs> you don't have to go with the normal stuff. It's, it's so eye opening for people too, when they get off of the, the, not, not, not to throw any shade on ESPN or Yahoo or any of those, but once they make that transition to MFL type leagues and they see what other kinds of light leagues are out there for, for dynasty owners, you know, it, it really opens their eyes. And I've, I've seen that firsthand with, with both the Capitals Pigs League, with Red List, with Kitchen Sink. So, yeah, really awesome that you're able to keep this stuff fresh. Nice. Yep. It's 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 pretty fun. It's It, it comes from just a passion of wanting to do it. <laughs> I think you need a passionate commissioner. So, Scott, this year there's, uh, there's going to be, I guess, a special podcast or maybe a series a of podcasts. A telethon, I heard. What what is going on with that? I'm not even organizing it. I I don't I don't know everything that's going on with it. I I I was quickly gonna type in Sal's uh, Twitter account to see if I could find out some information at Lido Sal Sal Lido. Uh, it's an it's uh, looks like a 24 hour telethon to raise money for Fantasy Cares, which is awesome. It's gonna kick off right with the drafts. So that's going to be that's going to be fun. So at least on their show, they're going to get to talk about their picks, Ryan. Um, <laughs> that's an inside joke. It's so inside. Um, but uh, yeah, they're they're getting sponsors and podcasts, and I are they really going to go twenty four hours? That's interesting. I wonder how they're going to plan that. I think they're filling each hour with different podcast hosts. Like they asked us to do it, but you know, but Ryan and Dan have to go and. And play play on in St. Louis together, so yeah. they're not available. So so I might jump on there for an hour. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't know how exactly it's going to go, but it sounds like a lot of fun, and it's cool that somebody's doing it. There's a there's another podcast called uh, Never Not Funny, and they do like a 24 hour telephone to raise money for uh, for like I can't remember child dead, child diabetes mm. or something like that. So so th- to be able to do something like for toys for Todd, that's that's pretty awesome. Is it going to run in the middle of the night? Do you know? Y- yeah, I think so. All night. Wow. That's interesting. I'm not sure where they're hosting it. I wonder if they're posting it on YouTube. I guess that's where they're probably going to oh, yeah, send the yeah. link to the show because I don't know where else they, how else they would stream it for 24 I hours. Spo- yeah, it would have to be YouTube. And like once a host is done, they'd link to the next one you know, and say, hey, continue the action on this show i don't know we're trying to we're trying to work it for them we, we they can do the work i think i think sal should have to stay up for all 24 I, hours though He's i agree it, so i mean I espn mean, they stay up for what 28 when they do their thing so that's right the least sal can do is 24 the least the very, very least, least. <laughs> <laughs> oh nice nice so yeah so scott outside of outside of scott fishbowl which is going to take up so much of your time here coming up and I know invites are going to be on their way and, and drafts are so close now that people are just 
jacked about it on Twitter. They're champing at the bit, of, I believe. Oh, they're chomping at the champing. bit. I'm one of them. They're I think champing. No, 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 <laughs> champing, Dan. Champing. I'm champing at the bit, sorry. <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to ask you about the Scott Fishbowl is you got to have a prediction for, for who's going to win that thing. Who do, you, who do you got? Well, it's obvious. Bringing back the PPR was simply for Ryan to win. I, I think <laughs> I think that I, I will tell you this much. It's not going to be Dan Sanio again. <laughs> Just, I think a, a repeat SFB champion would be. I will be say, he does, like you just have to mic drop and leave at that point. Oh yeah, there's like there's what else? Yeah, like that's it. That you're done. Yeah, you beat seven twenty, then you beat nine hundred teams, or you know seven nineteen and eight ninety nine. Yeah, you walk away at that point. Talk talk about that decision real quick. How how you sprung that on us, moving from seven twenty to nine hundred after after we didn't think you were going to increase the number of teams again. Is that me again? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Did, Okay. It's math, Dan. He was going to say, talk to me about why you decided to increase it to 900 teams. Thanks. Great question, Ooh, Matt. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's back. Oh, back? he's back. I was just Everybody yeah, froze. I was going to answer happened. that, too. No, you froze. We were all should, should I answer um, Matt's question? <laughs> <laughs> what did you hear? We heard nothing. nothing. Go for it, Matt. I was just gonna say, what was the what was the impetus behind the decision to move to nine hundred? Kind of in the middle of the, the decision making process. Did I nail it? Oh, that's a Scott nailed it. Scott nailed it. Nice. Oh wow! That, I, I don't even know. You have to keep the the mess up in the show now, so that people know how great that was. Well, that's up to our brilliant editor. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm sure she will. Oh. <laughs> well, well, really, really, it got down to the point where I think I had 20 invites left to send and I was getting just streamed with DMs and tweets and emails. I thought to myself, you know what? I, I have a little bit more bandwidth. I can I can up this a little without, you know, diluting it too much. And and uh, I, I'm able to do this. And I, I thought, let's let's get a couple hundred more people. in there. <laughs> it's a weird thing to think. But yeah. So I just, I just kind of acquiesced to the, uh, you know, to the, the people hitting me up every day. It just, I felt bad. It's supply and demand, right? Well, if you're demand, you're going to supply. Yeah. Your, well, your I mean, the demand is ridiculous. We, I checked, I think it was Thursday or no, it was, uh, when I was at FSTA and I had 6,457 signups as of sometime last week. It's really awesome to be able to include extra people in the, you know, the Toys for Top process, though, and introduce them to Fantasy Cares through that. So yeah. uh, talk a little bit about that and, uh, and where we're at this year. We've got to be already over what we, ha- what we produced last season, which was a record at that time, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's been ridiculous. I think when I update it, we're going to be over 21,000 this year. We, last I checked, it was 20,000-something, but I haven't updated it in a week, so... Got to be over twenty one thousand now, and last year it was. What did we spend, Ryan? Fourteen thousand something. Yeah, I think that was a little over fifteen thousand total so, if you include Houston relief fund. It's it's amazing to see it um, already well over that mark, and still plenty of time for um, for more money to be raised and more kids right. to be helped. Just just really, really awesome Matt, stuff. Matt, Matt, Matt bought toys too. I. Didn't mean to leave you. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was no, not at all. It was a, it was a blast. It was like when I remember, remember when you're a kid, and you watched like I don't know, like like Double Dare and like the grand prize is the the toy <laughs> yeah. shopping spree where you run through Toys R Us. That's what it was like, except for I got to do that, but then not take it all home, and, and I got to give it to you know kids. Yeah. So that was awesome. Scott, I've heard you talk a few times about the start of Fantasy Cares right. and and how much it means to you and things like that. Yeah. Uh, tell me. I think most of the most of the listeners out there that follow you already know about the how it came about and and how how strongly you feel about it. Talk, talk a little bit about the goal. The what's the long term goal? This is obviously a very big part of your life at this point. Uh, you spend a lot of time on it, and uh, just just you get so many people involved in it. How can how can our listeners get involved? If they're not already, and and what what's the long term game plan for Fantasy Cares? Well, first off, your listeners can get involved. FantasyCares.net. It's it's really easy. <laughs> There's a donate button on there. There's I'm running some uh, some best ball leagues for charity. It's basically if you donate 15 bucks. I'll get you into uh you know I'll get you into an SFB satellite. I mean there's no prize pool, there's no payouts, there's no entry fee. It's not like a pay to play league. It's you know you make a $15 donation and and that's a little, you know, gift for for making a $15 donation is you get to play in one of these satellites. Um which is it, those are pretty sweet. But that that's basically how you get involved. Long-term goal? I don't know, 100,000? <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good. Um, you, I at at that point, and even at this point, I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself, and Toys for Tots is one of my three favorite charities, right? And I just keep thinking to myself, and I get this every year. Have you thought about doing this charity? Have you thought about doing this charity? And obviously, have I thought about a couple of the other charities that I'm really passionate about, other than Toys for Tots? And I think long term, I don't know about this year, but most likely next year, I'm going to try to involve. Uh, possibly more charities than just toys for tots and possibly, you know, figure out something for a, you know, choose your charity kind of thing. Um, I, I, I really don't know. I haven't formulated it too much, but, uh, I think that's potentially the future of it. So there's so much that, that everybody can do. I I think getting into those satellites, not, not only is that, for a great cause and things, but it helps you as a fantasy owner as well. It gets you prepared for, for all of your leagues this year. And then, uh, gives you that chance to get into Scott fishbowl. I'm, I'm sure you got guys just pounding on your door to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the easiest way, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a one in 12 shot. And, uh, even though if you take the 900 and divide it by the 6,500 or whatever, or, you know, vice versa, obviously, uh, 6,500 divided by the 900, <laughs> but it, you'd think that, yeah, you'd think the chance is easier just by randomly signing up, but there's there's several hundred analysts, you know, that from various sites that get in every year. So the the number of uh, spots actually available is far less. So uh, yeah, the easiest way to get into SFB nine is uh, playing in a contest like a satellite or a podcast contest or you know something like that. So. For all the listeners out there, fantasycares.net. Follow Scott as well on Twitter for all the information, at ScottFish24. I think we we covered most of what Scott's into, at least this month, with Scott Fishbowl and Fantasy Cares. Uh, (laughs) Scott has so much other stuff going on. scary. Uh, Anything else you need to talk about, Scott, before we get into the next topic on the podcast? Uh, No, let's go. Let's do it. 
Okay, we, we brought Scott on board, not just to talk about Scott Fishbowl and, and Fantasy Cares and everything else that he does, but we're also going to talk a little bit about multi-copy uh, startup auction strategy. Uh, and we're going to do that right after this. Hey there, this is Tom Kislingberry of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? I know growing up in Surrey, that's all I ever did. Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager did. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel. It features a revolutionary free agency auction room which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent in single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and it's got tons of other cool features in addition to free agency like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contracts extensions, first round rookie options, automated contracts and salary cut functionality, much, much more. So test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, then use the promo code DLF10 to receive a 10% discount on your team or your league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Welcome back to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan. Over there is Matt. Of course, we got Scott Fish as our special guest this week. I teased before the break that we're going to talk a little bit about multi-copy startup auction strategy. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, that means a single league with multiple copies of every player in it. Now, usually these leagues have more than just 12 owners typically that doubles or even triples maybe even more than that depending on what the league structure is but we all have the four of us anyway have some experience playing in these multi-copy leagues matt you just started red list two which is a multi-copy league uh ryan i know you've played in them scott you you get credit for for coming up with the idea from some people um I really like these multi-copy leagues. It gives you so many chances to get build your team in so many different ways. I think I think the first thing I want to know from each of you guys, and Scott, we'll start with you since you're our guest. Why do you like multi-copy leagues, and is it better than the single-copy leagues for you? Oh, easily. easily. It's, I don't even think it's close for me. Um, uh, how many copies is, is probably the question for me. Uh, I I think even though a couple of my most favorite leagues are four copies, I think two copies probably my favorite. But um, yeah, it just is. If you're got, if you're a dynasty player like me, and all your drafts are auctions, that gives you two shots at the player. If you're if you're in a league where you have another Viking fan who will not give you Dalvin Cook, no matter how much you try. Uh, there's another copy out there for you to go after. If one guy's being a hard ass, you just you're able to go after a different copy. And the four copy ones are even crazier <laughs> because if if you you can make the same offer to four four different guys, and there's a good chance one is going to accept. And all four of those guys know that you made that offer to all four guys, so they're less likely to haggle with you too. It's uh, I find it it increases trading. Uh, I trade it, it trades in leagues. I just yeah, there's so many, I could go on for ten minutes about the things I like better about having multiple copies of players, and I can if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I figured Ryan and Matt would jump in. But this I'll is jump. The first I'll jump in. Ever, so. 
No, uh, I, I agree with Scott. In fact, I, I played in multi-copy leagues before, but there was a differentiation in it. Like, for example, the Kitchen Sink Leagues, where there are multiple copies, but they're within each division. They're separated out that way, and they're not accessible. The, the second and third or fourth or however many copies are not accessible to you because they're in different divisions. So my first multi-copy league when you could have both copies in the same division it was Capitalist Pigs 1 and it was kind of like mind-blowing because I knew now that okay uh, I want to go get Christian McCaffrey this guy will not sell him to me for no matter what I pay him for now I have somebody else to go to and try to work out a deal so like just that little kind of thing was uh, was pretty incredible to, to come out of Pigs with and that's why I, honestly one of the inspirations for starting the Red List League so thanks oh, Scott man. You, mi- you missed out on the 2015 and before <laughs> when MFL <laughs> had a glitch in it where you could own the multiple copies you could have two adrian petersons two obj's you could have two yeah well yeah back then it was yeah yeah two obj's in 2015 2014 would have been amazing i wonder what happened if there were actually leagues that had that happen i wonder what what happened to them you know going forward um how do they split i had i had leagues that did it uh but they were all redraft so um yeah so I, I don't know if if a dynasty league had that rule. I'm sure they had to, you know, change it on the fly. I, I wonder. So the, I wonder what happened to the rosters, though. You're right. So Scott, the the, you know, the biggest the biggest benefit to an owner, I guess, is is trading. We'll probably all agree with that. How about as a commissioner? You run a lot of these leagues. I know uh, we're all commissioners here as well. Does it make it more difficult for you, or is is it about the same? Uh, does it really matter having multiple copies rather than those single copy leagues? I'd say it's about the same now. Uh, you know, the the MFL did have a glitch uh, in their auctioning of multiple copies for a while that they seem to have fixed. But I've I've figured out ways to uh, make make the whole process so much easier. Uh, you know, where I just give everybody a, a truckload of money and they just have to end the auction under budget. I don't care if they go over in auction. You can price and force all you want over your budget in auction. I don't care. Just end the auction <laughs> under your budget and things like that that have just helped me so that people can trade money during the auction, you know, so that people can, you know, go over budget so that uh, if a player has a monetary glitch like MFL used to have but doesn't anymore, it wouldn't matter. So I, I figured out you know, any good commissioner can figure out a way to, to make their life easier. And I've done that with multiple copy leagues now to the point where it's no different than another league for me. So the real reason we got together to talk about these multi-copy leagues is, is actually to talk a little bit about strategy and owning one of these teams, not just uh, just being a part of the league, but but preparing to be a part of that startup auction now, some may do the draft version, but we're going to talk all about auction here because that's the best way to do fantasy football. I'm, I'm kind of a preparation freak, as a lot of our listeners probably know by now. I like to build a spreadsheet and keep, keep very close, meticulous track of, of what's going on. Ryan and I are actually sharing a team right now in Matt's Red List 2 auction. And uh, I tell you, having a second guy to help you with that spreadsheet really helps out. But... Let's talk a little bit about the tips and the tricks that we use when preparing for one of these auctions with so many copies, so many players about to be auctioned off. Matt, you've played in these leagues. Now you're running that Red List 2 auction. You've, you've seen it from both sides, the owner and the commissioner. What do you think is the most important thing an owner should do when preparing for one of these auctions? 
I think kind of, I think the ones that, that go in early, and, and we saw this in Red List too, the ones that go in early are going to generally end up overpaying, just like in a, in, a, in a regular auction, you know. So my style in particular is to kind of hang back and see, try to figure out the trends of what's happening, because they're, even more so in, in than in regular one-copy auctions, the, the, the waves in, in these auctions are crazy. Like the first copy is sometimes it's, too, it's more expensive, and the second copy gets cheaper, and then it comes back up for the third copy, but maybe not quite as much as the first copy was. So really being able to kind of sit back and, and watch and try to identify trends on what's happening with the values of the players on the board is, uh, is, is something that I would recommend for players new to it. At the same time, though, Ryan, I've, I've been in many of these auctions where I feel like the b- best deals that happen come in the opening days because everybody's sitting back and waiting to, to see the market get set for all these players, and that, that creates these bargains. Um, how do you know the difference between when when the when it's time to jump and, and take that leap and, and, and go after that first copy of the first player on the board and when to sit back? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really that's the big question, right? That's what you have to figure out. Um, and for me, I feel like this this specific league that we're thinking about right now, Matt's Red List 2 league, it's actually my first multi, multiple copy player league. Um, I don't really consider the kitchen sink leagues multi-copy since you can't, you can't trade, uh, from one to another. It's, they're really two separate leagues and, you know, Scott took kind of that idea and and some other ideas and you could argue made them even better by making some of the changes he did. And, and that's led to other leagues like that. So that's, that's why we love Scott. But, um, with the multiple copies, that is a difference I've seen. I think in the other auctions I've been a part of, you do find those bargains early on when when maybe people are a little um, a little hesitant or anxious to to really get involved. They don't want to overpay this, and and it's just this one experience for me personally. But it's been totally different. A lot of the money was spent early uh, on first copy players, and then you found some value. Uh, in the second and third copy. So uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a, just a matter of having so many people involved. And I, I think for me that's been the real difference, at least early on, is not just that there's two or three copies of a player, but there's more owners involved. Uh, you're not just trying to figure out tendencies and trends from 11 other guys. We're talking about 35 other people and that's added to the challenge and, and made it pretty fun. Yeah, and for us, when we were preparing, uh, going back to, to the days leading up to that auction starting, we neither one of us really knew what to expect with, with 36 owners in the same room gunning for all the same players. Scott, how about you? When, when you're preparing in the days leading up to these auctions, what are, what are the things you do that you feel like gives you an edge? Uh, wow. (laughs) I think I do far less preparation than you guys do for the multiple copy ones. Uh, I am a sit back. I am team sit back and wait always in the, in the multiple copy ones, to be honest, especially the four copy ones. I I haven't done a three copy one, but I have to imagine it's similar. Uh, I'd say the majority of the first copies actually do go for more than they should. Um, uh, if there's just two copies, then it's, then it's, you know it's a coin flip which which one you think you're going to be able to to take a stab at it it does make sense to try to go for an early copy because people will have the mindset oh this one's too high i'll try to get the next one um so i do get that but uh 
Uh, honestly, there's really little prep work for me. I, I do a budget for all my single copy auction leagues. Like I mentally, I never like to spend more than 15%. And actually you have 20% listed on, on here in one of the, in the show notes. But yeah, I, I almost never go over 15% in a single copy auction. And in multiple copy, I just throw it out the window usually. Um, I'm terrible. Yeah, I, I mentioned the the 20% rule. That's kind of a personal rule for me that, that I, I think it's outrageous to spend 20% on one player and try to stay away from right. that. I, you know, typically for me, uh, like I said earlier, I'm an over preparer. I like to, I, I like to say that I'm not good enough at this to, to not be prepared and do well at it. So I, I add every player to a spreadsheet. I start tracking every auction that comes in. Uh, I build a budget, a, a very thorough budget. I, I probably go over the top <laughs> on that as Ryan can probably attest to. Now, I kind of want to see this spreadsheet. <laughs> Yeah, I do too, you, actually, you when sure this is can. over with. Uh, we, we adjust it regularly as the auction goes on and regularly split uh, a $10 spot into two $5 spots or something like that. But um, I've always been a fan of, of preparing and, and uh, having a place to, to look at everything in, in, in order. So, so I feel like I, I have everything in line. Other personal rules maybe that you try to abide by during an auction. We mentioned the 20% rule for me. Scott, you say 15. Ryan, Matt, any other rules that you, that you like to live by when you're, when you're going through an auction? I, I typically will only nominate players that I don't want. So I guess that's a little bit of a tell. Like I just want to get as much money off the board on players that I don't want. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and do that, especially once we get down to when we're doing, uh, you know, multiple nominations per day. That kind of thing you can really start to move a little bit of money off the board that you have no interest in. So that's just I'm one the of them. same players that I don't want that I know others love. That's like every nomination I make. <laughs> And especially in a multi-copy because you start gathering a little bit of information and you see that a player you don't like went for way more than you feel like he should, you immediately want to get that next copy out there so they continue to spend, right? right? Yeah, especially if you see a bidding war. Okay, so we touched on nominations just a little bit there. I want to talk a little bit more about nominations because it's, it's really a strategy inside of that auction that isn't talked about all that often. Of course, we're all going to nominate those guys that we don't want. But as as we've gotten into Red List too, there's also the thought that late in an auction, especially when you're up against the wire in your with roster spots and you're nominating those one and two dollar players, you run into the 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 potential of nominating somebody you don't want for a dollar and then getting that player for a dollar and using one of those valuable roster spots on that player. Uh, Matt, is that something that, that pops into your mind as you, as you go through and, and towards the end of an auction? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, agree with everything you just said, Dan. I really don't have <laughs> anything to add, honestly. Thanks for that. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, anything else to, to add other than nominating players you don't like? What, what are you doing with a nomination strategy? Yeah, I feel like I think that's, that's what I start with. Um, and then like Matt said, once it gets to that, to that point where you are putting out multiple nominations per day, that's when I kind of shift and typically go to players. I, I do want, and mainly for the reason you mentioned, Dan, I, I don't want to get stuck with a guy that I don't want at all. If, if he doesn't bring any action. So, um, that's, 
that's kind of the shift. I mean, to me, it's it's always that interesting dynamic because I feel like everybody's nominating players they don't want or 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 at least players you think are overvalued. I mean, those first few days of the auction, we're seeing ninety nine percent, you know, superstars being nominated. So it's not to say I, I don't want them. It's more about. I think somebody else is going to overpay for this player. Yeah, I, I I really felt like that happened in Red List too, where some players or some owners were nominating players really far down on the cheat sheet. And as the days progressed, suddenly copy two and copy three finally went out on those players. And you realize that that copy went one went for double or triple what copy two went for. So, Scott, do you, do you see it as a strategy – where maybe it's better to nominate sixth and seventh tier players to get that overpay and leave those quality players for for as, as late as you can in that auction. You know, I've been doing auctions since I think the first time I started doing online auctions, at least, was about 05 to 07, somewhere in there. So it's it's been over a decade, and I think that's always been true. I think I think it's always been true that you nominate the – Players that people like, but are you know much lower tier, they'll go for a just a ton more early in the auction and multiple copies. That I mean, it's shown in the pigs leagues. Like you, you'll see a guy go for forty or fifty bucks early in a pigs league that like a lower level guy, and then have him go for seven bucks late in the tra- it's unreal late in the auction. It's unreal. Um, I, I just wanted to note as for the valuable roster spot thing. You're probably going to hate me, Dan. Maybe some of your listeners will love this or hate it. I turn off roster limits for auctions. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, know. I, I, I know that that's uh, probably a hot take or controversial, but I turn them off. I allow you to win whatever you think you can win with your money, and then you have to cut or trade those players within 24 hours after the draft. After the action. Oh, I love it, Matt. You screwed up so That's hard. That's the secret. Because I know the secret is to require the, the, the cut down 24 hours after because that's the, that's the ingredient that I missed. Because one, one time I did allow uh, uh, completely unlimited rosters during an auction and the guy came out of there with like 75 players and the cut down was, was, already, <laughs> was already set at like, you know, the week before the season started because I, t- I typically like to leave more roster spots available on an auction. Uh, or in the off season, so I like bump it up by like ten or whatever. So after that happened, I was like, no. But clearly, the secret is that I require that cut down twenty four hours later. Yeah, I always wonder how people feel about that. <laughs> no, I like it. It's something that I wish was in place right now. Because as one of the owners with with a little bit extra cash towards the end, I wouldn't. I, I always like to capitalize and adding those players and having a chance to trade them would be great. Uh, I'd like a week window though. Twenty four hours. That's that's not. A I problem. had it for a week for a while and it wasn't working well, so I changed it to twenty four hours. But I, either would work fine. <laughs> I was gonna say one uh, other nomination strategy that doesn't get talked a lot about. I think is the timing of those bids because you know you have players that you, you kind of want to set up the board in a way that players are going off at certain times or or spreading out your own bids on the boards and that kind of thing. Now as we start playing with more and more international folks, like having players go off the board at at three a.m. our time isn't 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 as, as uh, successful as a strategy, but it's still something to think about in terms of timing those bids, not just uh, uh, the, the price of the, of the player on the board. I love timing bids. So, <laughs> it's such a good strategy. So I, we talked a little bit about it. We brushed on it early, earlier, uh, talking about 
opening day or, or early auction strategy. Scott, you said you're not very aggressive. You like to sit back. I'm wondering if, if there's a difference between single copy, double copy, and then those four copy leagues. It, do you tend to be a little more aggressive in a single copy league or, or a, even a double copy league than you would in one of those, one of those leagues with four copies of everything? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely more aggressive in a single copy league because I have my players that I want to come out of the auction with. And if they're up early in the auction, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, that's, that's what it is. And sometimes I'll just throw that 15% right on them and see how it does. Um, but uh, the multiple copy leagues, I have been known to not look at the auction for three days. Just not even open the window. Just be like, okay, whatever happens in the next three to four days, that's fine. I will check back in. So that's a difference with uh, multiple copy. <laughs> a league. Yeah. One of my favorites, Scott, was when uh, it was at Takes Two and Jeff Miller like I was on vacation. Or maybe it was Takes Three. Maybe it was just this, this auction here. Pigs, uh, Jeff Miller was on vacation and was worried because he wasn't going to be able to see the board for the first three or four days of the auction and ended up like working out super well The for only him. player he missed all four copies on in those four days was Andrew Luck. <laughs> Poor guy. So I, th- I think one thing that you said there, Scott, that really grabbed my attention was you said if there's players you want to come out of the auction with. Yeah. You didn't play. You didn't say players you need to come out of the auction with. That was one of the talking points that Ryan and I had as we prepared for our auction. Is, is we, we didn't want to need to come right. out with any any certain tier of player or 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 even even any specific player. Being fluid and 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 having that budget be able to change and and keeping an open mind as the auction progresses is incredibly important as as yeah. I see it, at least. What, no matter if it's early in the auction or late in the auction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Auctions are so fluid in, in, in general, just in the what positions are on the board at what time. Like sometimes there's grouping of positions. Sometimes if you're after a quarterback, all of a sudden you start throwing up quarterbacks. Other people start throwing them up to – to fill the board with quarterbacks, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming like a full board, uh, you know, slow auction, obviously live auction. You only have one player on the board, but, um, yeah, auctions are so fluid in general. You, you have to be fluid with, with the way you approach it with the strategy. Like you say, you like to say, you know, let the draft come to you, uh, you know, go with the flow of the draft and drafts. It's the same thing with auction only like on steroids or whatever, you know, it's, it's just so much more, uh, so much more strategy involved and so much more fluid. Like you said, let's, let's switch the topic a little bit to price enforcing. And I'm, I'm strictly against pricing price enforcing myself. Ryan, I know you are too. Tell tell the listeners why you hate price enforcing so much. Well, I, I wouldn't say I hate it. Um, I, I just think it's you know it's risky. We've even seen in this auction in the in the conversations that have gone on with this league that we're doing now that uh, multiple players or, or owners have said that they got caught price enforcing. So, I mean, for me, if if I'm going to price enforce, I have to know. I'm going to be happy if I win that player for that amount. Um, so if I think if I think Matt's getting a great value and maybe it's a player I didn't target or it's a it's a position that I don't necessarily need, I may still price enforce, but um, only up to that number that I would be that I would still consider that player a value. Matt, I watched you price enforce and you commented <laughs> on it. Uh, Demarius Thomas was 
about a week ago probably so right in the middle of this auction was first copy was on the board and you saw him as going for far too little $26 of a thousand dollar budget is what you bid when he was set at 25 uh later copies went for 38 and 33 so you come out smelling like a rose on that deal uh tell me about price enforcing that was that had to be an instance where you 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 were doing exactly that right yeah, it was, but it, but like Ryan said, it was also a player that I was interested in having if I was to win him at that price. I just, uh, you know, I saw players around him going for, for, for far more and just thought it was a screaming value there. So uh, I wasn't really sp- planning on spending that much on wide receiver in this particular auction in this format. So to be able to get a guy who, you know, has, you know, mid to high wide receiver two upside for sure and uh, has been a guy that's been in the top 12 throughout his career. So uh, I I thought to be able to get a guy like that for 2.6% was too much of a deal to pass up, even though I wasn't technically planning on drafting him at that point. I just didn't want to see him go off of the board uh, for such a value there. Scott, I think what Matt did there, price enforcing on copy copy one in a multi-copy auction is is really risky it it's so much more dangerous in a multi-copy especially on copy one because so many people will sit back and say well i'll just wait for copy two three or maybe even four and see what happens now now this in this instance like i said before it worked out great for matt uh but it's way more risky isn't it? yeah absolutely it's it's definitely riskier earlier in the auction. People think there's other copies. Yeah, just like you said. I'm I don't price enforce. I just I just won't. I I learned probably about eh, seven, eight years ago that maybe even longer, that I will not make a bid that I can't live with. I, that's just the way I look at it. When when I'm throwing a bid down, it's a bid I need to be able to live with and and know that I have a you know an out strategy. If if the, if it's you know if making that bid is different from the strategy I was on, I need to try to figure out in my head mentally what strategy I'm going to go to next if I win this bid. If I can't do that, I'm probably not making the bid. I think the other kind of I guess you can consider it price enforcing is just noticing those trends of other bidders. If they, if they consistently bid um, a certain amount, like increments of, of five or 10 or something like that. uh, I think sometimes you can bid owners up after, after noticing those trends and, you know, whether that's price enforcing a certain player or really just price enforcing the owner and noticing, um, noticing how they how they bid you know here's the best way to price enforce and i'm sure everyone can agree i mean we're all going to be on the same page on this i mean you just you just you just go in your chat or you go in an email thread and try to convince other people to do it right (laughs) that's exactly what you do scott or or you just make it non-proxy right and then there's no like guessing of multiples of bids and stuff yeah exactly so another thing I wanted to talk about with you fellas was the final copy of a player because the real reason we got together to talk about this was was to talk about the differences between multi-copy and single copy. And the one thing that I've learned in these multi-copy leagues is that that final copy of a player is even more in- intense in a multi-copy league than the only copy in a single copy league. It, it's really oh, yeah. odd to me because a market has been set not only for that tier of player, but for that specific player, Scott. And it, it makes it so intense, and it really feels to me, and maybe it's just because there's so many more owners, that I've seen way more 
uh, battles or, or last second bids in this multi-copy league than I do even in a single copy. Oh, it, and it makes a thousand percent sense for me. Uh, <laughs> that's a weird way to phrase it, but it makes complete <laughs> sense because those final copies in many instances, I mean, you're talking about yours is a, a three copy. You have people who have missed out on all these other opportunities, not just for that player, but other players. Maybe they've had that player in mind the entire time. They were bidding on the first copy, let it go. Bidding on the second copy, let it go. And then the third copy, they're like, well, I got to get this one. You got those people. And then you got the people who are like, well, I wanted a guy in this tier. And now all the rest are gone. So you got to go for that one. It makes complete sense, especially since the, the, you know, the auction tends to be, you know, just a little smidge longer. It feels like, so they've been waiting longer on that player. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. When you've had a chance at that guy a couple times and missed out, now you really want him. We talk all the time about having tiers set up for auctions because you don't want to be the guy going for that last guy in a tier because you know you're going to pay a premium on that. And, and when you get to a final copy and multi-copy auction, then it just kind of exacerbates that problem. So people end up spending uh, uh, for, for that reason and all those other reasons that Scott mentioned too. Yeah, I just think it's a matter of, of simply having more owners. Again, in, in this league we're we're focused on, there's 36 owners, and in a typical league of 12, you might you might be in a battle for a player with one or two other guys, and now those one or two other guys are five or six or ten other guys uh, going for the same player. So I, I think it's as simple as um, more people involved in the auction. But the the good thing to come from that, like Scott mentioned earlier, is that's also going to be more trade opportunities um, and other other good things to come from having so many people in the league. Yeah, so the last topic or last bullet point we should talk about is late auction strategy in these multi-copy leagues. So a lot of times we're talking about the third copy and of or the final copy, I should say, of players in higher tiers finally going onto the board and then also the lower end players first copies going on and as always that there seems to be a little bit of an overpay with that first copy i want to talk strategy with this scott is is there is there something that you can give our listeners that will make them feel better about saving that cash for late because it seems like something that can backfire if you don't do it right if you hold out too late and all that top tier talent is gone and, and having the most money at the end, especially in a league where you only have so many roster spots, uh, unlike your leagues, um, that can backfire. What, what are your thoughts on, on that late cash or late spending in these multi-copy leagues? Well, in a two-copy multi, multi-copy league, uh, you know, it, you, you could give or take, you know, it's, it's not much different than a, than a first cop than a, for a, a single copy one. If you like to save cash for those late ones, sure. Sometimes you're going to pay more. Sometimes you'll pay less, but in four copies, I think the third or five, the third or fourth copy has been the cheapest in all of them. Basically, uh, <clears throat> all of the ones I've done, uh, and there's just amazing deals to be had. Uh, in fourth copies, even even if it isn't the fourth copy that's the cheapest, there's still an amazing deal to be had with the fourth copies. I, I I'm a proponent of saving cash for for those. That's that's for sure. Um, 
I don't know that I want to be the most money. I don't know that I want to be the least. I, I, I think somewhere, some middle ground, at least, you know, a reasonable amount, you know. Uh, and I don't know that, you know, I don't know that it matters, honestly. The, there's so many different strategies that if you're if you're the guy that doesn't save any cash, I think you're probably going to be just fine, too. It's, it's the beauty part about the multiple copies because – so what if you paid 20 extra dollars for Kelsey earlier in the draft? Maybe there's a $20 player that would have been amazing, but you still got Kelsey and maybe you'll find something on the waiver wire. Maybe you'll get a $2 player that'll come out of nowhere. You know, at the end of the day, it's a blip on the radar that I don't know that it matters as much as we like to think it does in the moment. Oh, Scott, you're so wrong. It matters so much. It's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent so much of the last two weeks looking at a spreadsheet that it better be. <laughs> I, I do like to be the guy that, not like, like Scott said, not the most money, but I like to have you know enough bullets in the chamber that when all these dollar or $2 players are going off the bar, that if I see a guy that I really want, I can get him for 3 bucks, that I can spend that extra dollar to right. come away with him. But, but there are definitely other instances when you have, you know, I don't know, $100 left in a, in a $1,000 auction, and now you ha- you're not sure how you're going to spend all that money. So uh, I think there's, it's kind of a fine line there. Scott, Dan, Dan and I have been talking about this earlier through this process of sharing a team. And I, I know you obviously don't know this number for sure, but you have, you've run several multiple copy uh, leagues. And so just give me kind of a ballpark percentage. How many owners or what percent of owners do you think keep a spreadsheet, update it with every, every bid or every um, auction that ends and keep that up throughout the, the length of the auction? 15%. That is way okay. closer to what I said than what Kyle said. <laughs> this sounds like there was a bet <laughs> off air. I, I feel like I won this one, Ryan. I finally beat you yeah. or something. What, what did Ryan well, say? Well, Ryan said way more than you think, Dan. And I said, gosh, I really well, don't think people are putting the time in to do that. Here, here's here's the thing. I almost went with 20%, and then I went with 15%. I'm, I, honestly, I'm not sure, but I can tell you in those pigs chats, there are several. There are definitely several, like multiple people. And if if someone else goes over budget or nominates twice in a day or something like that, th- they tell me immediately. And it's many different people. So I, I would say, you know, 15% is what my guess was. It might be low, but I'm thinking 15%, you know, 15% of what, 56 owners is, you know, some number that's in the teens probably yeah. <laughs> my brain is too fried at this point of the night. No, I just kind of felt like it was, I didn't put a number on it, but I, I felt like it was most like the majority of people are going to have a spreadsheet and they're going to be keeping up with this and they're going to know how much copy one versus copy two went for there. Oh, wow. And, oh. and then in our Voxer chat, people started saying things like how much money has been spent so far. <laughs> And then I realized <laughs> I was wrong. There's, there's a few guys oh. in every league that, that will give out that information and have information that people ask. Like, especially in the Pigs Leagues, there's several, like John Olson. Like, you say, hey, how much money is left in the league? Or how much money is so-and-so left? And he chimes in with a screenshot of, uh, or sometimes even a direct link to the screen to the spreadsheet. So there's definitely those guys. But I, guy. I would have said, like, 25%. Not cool. I was... <laughs> Don't <laughs> give away the information that you're keeping private. <laughs> Do it privately. That's right. That's right. Does that upset you guys, really, the table doc stuff? 
uh, on these multi-copy leagues. It does seem to happen more in the multi-copy leagues than it does in the single copy really leagues, for sure. So is that, is that something yeah, but, that, like, because well, well, let's just go back to old school, like for drafting, for say, table log is kind of, was kind of frowned upon when we were in the drafting age and that most people did drafts, right? Where you're like, oh, so-and-so is still on the board. You don't want anybody to say that because somebody might fall to you. But in an auction, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I've been in it with you the last few years, Scott. It just seems like it's more acceptable, but maybe not. Maybe somebody coming into it the first time, like it's really kind of offensive to them. It is. We've had, we've had, I've had people in those pigs leagues privately message me, Hey, is this normal? And I'm like, I can't control it. <laughs> you know, I think in pigs one, I tried to control it a little at the beginning. And then I'm like, you know what? I can't do it. I can't control it at all. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's really, it's, there's a lot more of it in multiple, multiple copy leagues. I've noticed I, I I've started to ignore it, but I'm, you know, I'm old school, so I, I don't do it. I just, I just ignore it. Yeah, I don't get angry with it, Matt. It, it's a little annoying, though. As one of the guys that that keep close track, I I, I don't I don't want to give that information away for for anything. And and if it that could be the one thing. And and if you're gonna do that, you cannot be upset if somebody outbids you on a player late or anything like that because it falls under the same umbrella. Yeah, totally. Right. So. Right. Well, I hope this helps out anybody that hasn't tried this multi-copy league. I know when I tried it a couple years ago, I loved it. And that was a two-copy. And now I've tried the three. So maybe it's time for me to try the four. I'm already starting to think of salary cap multi-copy options. Way to to run a league like that because it's just too much fun. The auction is just plain awesome. Scott, thanks so much for joining us once again on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Tell people where to find out more about... Scott Fishbowl, all your work, and Fantasy Cares. Oh, man. It feels like I'm crazy busy these days. I run MFL 10, so you should go do MFL 10s there. They're best ball leagues, so you can focus on your dynasty leagues in season. I think that's a thing. Uh, safe leagues, I, I run those. I It's a commissioner service, and I fill up uh, dynasty leagues. Partnered with DLF for dynasty leagues. We also have other various types of leagues. I have the Bull Rush podcast with Ryan. I have a new show starting on SiriusXM July 7th, uh, Saturday morning, uh, 8 to 10 Eastern. And then, you know, my content will be at Fanball this year as well. Man, so much going on for Scott Fish. You should follow him uh, at ScottFish24 on Twitter if you're not already. For Matt and Ryan and myself, I'm Dan. Uh, thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We will catch you again next week. Thank you.